Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Wednesday, June 10th, and this is episode number 55. I'm your host, Rod Bloom, and joining me today is John Matei. John is a Browns fan, and John, how are things going for you? Uh, very well. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you having me on the show. Absolutely. Glad to have you. John, you are in, uh, you're in Oklahoma. That's correct. Yeah, I live uh, in Collinsville. It's a town about 15 miles north of Tulsa. All right. How's, how's the weather out there? Hot? Uh, no, it's actually beautiful today. It was uh, a lawn mowing day, 82 degrees and sunny, uh, but it's going to get hot. You have uh, you probably have what we're supposed to get for this weekend, which is uh, weather like in the 70s, I think, for yeah. Saturday, Sunday. So I'm looking forward to that. So soak it up. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, we're going to get to the Browns, but we are going to start off with our Blitz beverages, and I like to let the guest go first. So why don't you kick it off and let me know what you brought. Uh, let everybody know what you brought to the show. Um, what you're drinking tonight? Okay, um, for me tonight, it's uh, it's an old mainstay for mine. It's a New Belgian's Voodoo Ranger IPA. Um, it's a real hearty beer. Uh, goes down real smooth, and uh, if you get a chance, give it a try. New Belgium is uh, an excellent brewery. Um, you know, I, I think it's um, what, what do I want to say? It's getting to be almost. Um, you know, to where it's 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 out there so much that maybe people don't look at it as you know a small brewery anymore. Right. Um, the fat tire and everything, but right. man, when I first had a fat tire, I'm like, man, this this is great. I can, this is probably the only beer I need from yeah, now fat, on. Fat tire is really <laughs> really good, and you know, I'm really not IPA guy, but um, uh, the Voodoo Ranger is uh, super smooth, not quite as bitter as uh, some of your IPAs out there. Yeah, I've got I've got some in my refrigerator. I haven't had one in a while, but but yeah, anything by New Belgium is is definitely uh, definitely worth drinking. <laughs> Amen to that. Excellent choice. I'm drinking uh, I'm drinking another Victory, and I'm drinking a Victory Summer Love. This one's I think a five point two percent, and it's uh, it's just um, a little lighter, like the name would would kind of tell you. A little little citrusy, not too much, but um, Victory. Kind of like New Belgium, um, you, you go with a good brewery and and you're usually going to be pretty happy. Yes, you are. So um, yeah, yeah, I'm enjoying what's left of it. As I was saying, I I, I spilled probably a third of it when I opened it earlier, <laughs> <laughs> when it kind of foamed over on my desk. But uh, but yeah, I've cleaned it up and and um, I'm I'm enjoying the remainder. So <laughs> good deal. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, so John, we like to uh, we like to kind of uh, give our guests a a chance to just kind of talk about your your history, um, your your life, um, you know, just kind of your journey as a Browns fan, kind of how you became a Browns fan, uh, maybe you know memories, favorite players, things like that, um, kind of how you got to this point in your life as a Browns fan. Sure, um, I was born uh, in uh, Parma General Hospital. Uh, 1972, dating myself. Um, both my mother and father were uh, big Browns fans. Um, I just grew up watching the Browns. My first memories of, of, are of Brian Sipe and the Cardiac Kids. Mm -hmm. um, that 1980 season devastated me. And uh, I have to give a confession to you, Rod. 
Um, I actually went and rooted for the Raiders uh, after they went on and won that Super Bowl in 1980. Uh, so I had a sabbatical for five years until Bernie came around and, um, I was just getting into my high school years and I just loved those eighties teams and it's stuck with me yeah. ever since. Um, uh, the best memories I have, uh, are of that 86, 87 and 89 seasons. Um, and those were my high school years. So if I have to tell you, um, a favorite player, um, it, it's almost impossible for me. Um, I am a sports collector. Um, and I have autographed jerseys from three of my favorites from that era, and that's Ozzie Newsome, Clay Matthews, and, uh, of course, Bernie Kosar. Um, all three are just uh, great players. Um, just love watching them play. Um, I know Ozzie's in the hall, and, and let's hope Clay gets there too. Um, since then, um, I joined the military in 1992. I served 20 years in the Air Force, retired as a Master Sergeant in 2012, um, went all over the world, lived in Okinawa, Japan for a little bit, and um, stayed a Browns fan. Uh, no matter where I was stationed, I always got back for a game, uh, still do to this day. And uh, even though the, the the years have been lean since 1999 in the return, um, I'm still here. I'm not going anywhere, and uh, I'll be pulling for the Browns uh, until they put me down. Yeah. That's, that's a great story, and, and – uh... You know, I, I think it's that's why I like to hear, you know, just the, the journey that everybody goes on. I think everybody enjoys hearing it from different Browns fans, too, because I, I mean, a lot of people are from Cleveland. A lot of people have read it for the Browns their whole lives. But I just feel like everybody's story is just a little bit different. Yeah. And I'll tell you, when you move away from Cleveland, uh, Cleveland will always be home to me. Um, but when yeah. you move away, you, you really start to appreciate um, those teams that includes the tribe and the Cavs too, but you know, I'm a Browns fan first. And, um, when you, when you don't live locally and you can't pick up the game on normal TV and, you know, you can't just uh, go down to the stadium in the Muni lot on a Sunday, uh, you miss that. And, uh, I definitely treasure coming back once a year. So you come back for one game a year? Usually. Yes. Yeah. Usually one game a year. And, and like this year, hopefully I'll get to go to two games cause they're in Dallas this year. So I'll make it down mm-hmm. to Jerry's world, uh, this year too. Nice. Very nice. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I think uh, in your in your age group, I think, um, you know, the uh, the fact that those 80s years are so meaningful to you, that's I mean, it's a common theme. And and just how much uh, how much you look up to, how much you care about some of those some of those specific players, uh, you know, that's. I think that's something that that a lot of us share that are in your age group, like I am. So, um, you know, and there's, and there's other guys you can, you could just keep naming. So for sure, um, you know, but you name three, really (laughs) three, really good ones. Absolutely. We're not even going to Hanford Dixon, Minifield or Langhorn or Slaughter or Brennan. I mean, it's, you know, the list goes on and on. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bunch of guys, um, yeah, like you said, we could we could just keep talking about those guys. So uh, so thanks for sharing that. Um, we're we're gonna talk we're gonna talk Browns. So we're gonna we're gonna try to to uh, best we can um, just talk Browns. You know, some current events. Um, it might seem like there's not a lot going on right now, but I think that I think there's there's a few things we can touch on and. Um, 
you know, I think I think we're seeing some positive things from from the team. So I want to get your thoughts on on some of the stuff that's going on. And um, first, I just I just see so many things that show the character of players on this team, and not only players. I mean the the, the staff too. Um, the the first thing that I had a note about was uh, was Miles and how he's uh, reached out to to the family of this uh, of this uh, retired um, police captain uh, David Dorn his, his family um, to try to help them. Um, he was he was slain in the, in St. Louis and he's reached out and just offered to help. Um, you know, Miles doesn't have any ties to 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 David Dorn's family or to St. Louis or, or anything. He just, it's just the kind of person Miles is. Yeah. Um, I think, um, I think it's given people an opportunity, you know, outside of Brown's fans to see the true nature of Miles Garrett. I mean, I think people got a little glimpse of it during uh, hard knocks and uh, got to see that he is a deep thinker. Um, you know, he's into poetry. Uh, you can tell he's a person of substance and I'm hoping this can, uh, at least erase a little bit of the, you know, the Mason Rudolph incident, uh, because I think we're seeing what Miles Garrett's really all about here. Yeah, you know, I, I don't want to sound wrong in saying this, but because I haven't seen anybody else suggest this, but do you think that this is just Miles being Miles, or do you think somebody's saying, "Hey, Miles, you you need to work on your image because of what happened last season." You know, that's a, that's a great question. I, you know, just a gut feeling. I just think this is who this guy is. Um, nothing has led us to believe otherwise, other than, you know, the alleged, you know, words that were said by Mason Rudolph that sent miles over the edge, everything else about miles Garrett has been shown to be a a model citizen, a stand-up guy, a guy who cares about his community. I mean, a guy punched him in the face, right? You know, literally punches him in the face and he does nothing. Um, uh, I think we're seeing the true yeah. color. Now there may be somebody whispering in his ear, you know, Hey, this is a great opportunity, but I'm, I'm telling you, I believe miles is doing this of his own accord. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Honestly, the thought never crossed my mind until we started talking about this. Um, you know, I just thought it was miles and, and that's the kind of person he is. But, Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I just, I just kind of wanted to get your thought on that. Yeah. And I'll tell you, he, he had a great quote uh, out there. He said, uh, I said, this is heartbreaking to watch in reference to Captain Dorn. Um, it's not blacks versus the police. We're fighting for equality and justice. Anyone who supports that should be accepted and respected, cop or not. He doesn't deserve to die like that. You know, that th- those are his words, you know. Um, and, I, yeah. you know, I don't think anybody's telling him what to write down. I just, you know, I just think he cares and uh, want, wanted to make a difference for that family. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think so. I, I Totally agree with you. So let's let's go a little further into that topic. And the Browns uh, made a couple more hires. Uh, they hired uh, Glenn Cook as their uh, VP of Pro Personnel, and they hired. Um, I really should have looked at at how you say his name. Um, Maybe you can help me out. The VP of Football Ops. Yeah, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, I'd um, hate to murder it. Yeah, uh, I'm sure I'm going to say 
saying it wrong, but um, uh, Kuizi Adolfo Mensa. Okay, and if I said that wrong, I apologize. Um, so uh, those two gentlemen, along with Andrew Berry, um, the Browns have uh, their top three, uh, the top three executives in the front office are all uh, African American. Um, make of that what you want. I have never suspected that the Browns ever hired somebody because of the color of their skin. I don't think they hired Andrew Berry because he was black. I think they hired him because he was the best man for the job. Um, I love the job he's doing. Uh, you know, I've never, I've never cared who they had as their coach or what color his skin was. Um, I mean, I've cared who they had as their coach. I, right. I, I mean, I, I, I would never say, oh, I want this guy because he's this color or anything. So when the Browns do, when they, when they have three, um, three guys, the top, um, three top executives who are black, what, um, what, what do you think? Is, is, is this, uh. I think well, they did this because these were the best guys available. Okay, well, I don't think anywhere anything past that. But what does this do from a progress standpoint, and what kind of message does this send, you know, around the NFL? And and what does this say about Cleveland? Well, I'll tell you, um, Jimmy Haslam and D Haslam haven't gotten a lot right since owning the Browns. Uh, that's that's just my opinion. But what they have gotten right is providing opportunities to well qualified minorities. Um, yeah. there's just, there's just no disputing that. Um, they've done that right. Um, you know, as in any job, things don't always work out, you know, and that doesn't mean you stop going to the pool of quality individuals. And I commend the Haslam's for doing that. That being said, you know, it all comes down to winning, you know, yeah. it doesn't matter what color your skin is or what you believe in. And, you know, if the Browns start killing it with these three executives, it, you know, I think it may open further doors uh to that but if they fall flat on their face uh, it's going to be status quo uh, because right now the browns let's be honest uh, no, nobody really holds our organization in high regard uh, we just don't have the wins to back it up you know but if these guys um you know all with impressive degrees harvard princeton harvard university of miami um if, the, if these guys put together a team and kevin stefanski produces with them on the field uh, that, that's when you're going to see the difference because, unfortunately, wins are what matter in pro sports. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you 100%. And, and that's why I, I just – the whole the whole idea that uh, – that, I don't know. I, I have an issue with the whole skin color thing from both sides, really, that, that we have to put minorities in positions – uh, that's really not right if they're not qualified and it's obviously wrong to not give opportunity. So, you know, it, we need somehow to get to a spot where people are just judged on their qualifications. Um, right. you know, it, and I think the only way that happens is by providing opportunities like this and assuming that the Browns are successful, you'd think that um, one of these other guys would potentially get a shot at, at being a GM somewhere else 
Absolutely. That's, that's how things happen. Um, so it, it's really the best way to, to solve the issue. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, you know, it's 2020 and here we are having to not only have a Rooney rule, but we have to expand it now. I mean, that just blows my mind, you know, that we really need to expand opportunities and not just look at the quality of the individual and, and his qualifications uh, to do the job. You know, um, it's uh, that, that to me is uh, pretty sad. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So hopefully the Browns are, uh, you know, a trendsetter here just by the, the sheer fact that they're hiring qualified individuals, giving people opportunities strictly because of their qualifications and, uh, you know, it's going to just show the NFL that, you know, this is how it's done. And it, it's getting some guys, some minorities uh, ready for other positions, uh, assuming there's success here. And, you know, um, I, I just, you know, I, I, you have to you have to applaud the Haslam's. You have to um, probably uh, uh, Paul De Podesta, you know, and. Obviously, uh, I'm sure that Andrew Barry had had a hand in selecting, you know, his uh, these uh, these two guys as well. Sure, sure. And like I said, I definitely tip my cat to the Haslam's uh, for doing it, you know. But if we want to see it expand, um, it will if the Browns start winning under their leadership. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. We're going to pause for a moment to thank our sponsor, T-ShirtHooligan.com. You can follow them on Twitter at HooliganT-Shirt. Be sure and check out their new products, the Just Pruitt and the Running Back Legacy. Check those out either through links on Twitter or just go directly to the website. Now back to the action. Let's see. Alex Van Pelt had a couple of quotes this week. And let's let's talk about uh, David Njoku first. Because I think a lot of people have opinions about David Njoku. Either, either that... He hasn't been given the right shot. You know, he, he didn't get to play enough last year, I think, after the injury. Or he's he's a bust. He, you know, he, he drops too many balls. He, you know, the Browns are going to move on from him because he's from a prior regime, all this stuff. So Alex Van Pelt said that David Njoku has been excellent during the offseason, that he has big or there's big plans for him in 2020. So what are your thoughts uh, David Njoku, uh, what he's going to do in this offense. Browns have three tight ends now um, who I would think would be getting playing time, uh, you know, as far as uh, targets. What are your thoughts for the 2020 season for David Njoku? All right, Rod, I'm going to get a little nerdy on you here. Um, I like to dig into nuts and bolts and, you know, a lot of the talk that goes on in the off season from coaches is coach speak. We all know mm-hmm. that there yeah. isn't a coach out there that isn't going to trumpet, you know, the players that are on the roster, you know, but, you know, digging into it a little bit deeper last night, I was just doing a little bit of research and I looked at Minnesota's play calling um, under Stefanski last year and the type of personnel groupings he used. So, his uh, top four, so his number one, everybody knows, is the 12 personnel, the two wide receiver, two tight end, one running back. Um, mm-hmm. if, you, if you look at the Browns roster, that's OBJ, Landry, Hooper, Njoku, and Chubb. Okay? Uh, his next highest percentage of personnel at 25% was 11 personnel, which is the most common in the league. That's your three wide receiver, one tight end, one running back. So you got to think in that, in that 
uh, formation. You got OBJ, Landry, Higgins, Hooper, and Chubb. Um, Interestingly, his next highest at 21% was a 21 personnel, and that's your two wide receiver, one tight end, two running back grouping. Um, And that's OBJ, Landry, Hooper, Chubb, and Hunt. Um, For me, when I look into these numbers and and I say those names over and over again, I really think that Stefanski is going to use a lot more of that 21 personnel because I if, you, think so. <laughs> if you're going to, if you want to put your top five players on the field, right. Your top five playmakers. Um, I, I think that's it. And I don't think many people would argue. Um, and then his fourth highest that only 11% was the 22 personnel, one wide receiver, two tight ends, two running backs. And that's your OBJ, Hooper, Najoku, Chubb and Hunt. So, okay. So I've spit it out all those stats. Um, Bottom line is he runs two tight end sets 45% of the time. So a little bit less than half, you know, when Najoku's on the field in that type of setting, he's going to be the third or fourth option. Okay. You're talking about a guy that they just paid at at his position that makes 44 million with 23 guaranteed. Okay. That, that guy is going to be the higher option. So if you're the fourth option, um, 45% of the time, um, I'm sorry, but uh, I'm not buying Najoku unless Hooper gets injured or for some reason he actually fulfills his first round potential. Um, one other reason I wanted to say that, and I left it out and I apologize, you know, that uh, that 21 personnel, the two wide receiver, one tight end, two running back, I think is going to go up because when you break down the passer rating that Minnesota and Kirk Cousins had in that formation, it was 111.2. Uh, that That's off the charts. And I <laughs> I think that only serves Baker because we all know uh, we're going to go as far as Baker takes us. Um, you know, if Baker yeah. can be, can throw at those kind of numbers, um, you know, the, the Browns are going to do really, really well. So to me, um, to answer your question in the long roundabout way that I did, um, I don't I don't have high expectations for Njoku. I just I don't see him on the field enough and I don't see him as a high enough option in that route tree and in Baker's reads that he's going to get enough balls. Well, I mean, let, let's face it, it beyond what you're saying. I think it depends on how, you know, how, uh, how he catches a football, you know, it, if he can make, it, he has traditionally made these tough catches and dropped the easy, you know, the easy ball, uh, right. You know, so far in his time in Cleveland, that has to change if he wants to be if he wants to get targets. Absolutely. And if you look at Minnesota, you know, they had Kyle Rudolph and, and the young rookie Irv Smith, right? Mm-hmm. Their tight yeah. ends. He went to Rudolph more, uh, you know, because the reliability. I mean, I think Stefanski, oh, yeah. if anything else that he's bringing to the Browns is uh, you got to be reliable, you know, and 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 David, uh, unfortunately, just hasn't been reliable. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. He makes these crazy, absurd catches and then stone hands on a five yard in it's uh, it's mind boggling right and i agree with you 100 percent when you're looking at when you're looking at the personnel if it's an option between having kareem hunt out there or david njoku i want kareem hunt out there on you know a lot more often absolutely that's i mean that's who i'm picking I think it's a, I think it's a no brainer personally, but you know, obviously down in distance is going to determine a lot of this and, you know, but, but, but stats don't lie. And, uh, Stefanski likes a two tight end set, but, but he also likes that mm-hmm. two wide receiver, two running back set a lot too. So when you got hunt and Chubb, use them. 
Yeah, you're going to you're going to make your calls based on your personnel, and I think I, I'm sure he'll go to the two tight end because because that's what he does, and you know. But um, when you have the wide receivers you have and the running backs you have, it could change those percentages a bit in Cleveland. Right. Right. And and I'll I'll say this too, you know, he he ran eleven personnel, which is the most common the three wide receiver set. He was he ran at the least of any team in the NFL. So I, you know, I, I like Hollywood Higgins, but I, I don't see, I don't see him in the one year, you know, make it or break it type deal, getting a lot of looks either. No, no. It's, and then you go, you go further than Higgins. How, you know, how many targets are, are your fourth and fifth wide receivers going to get? Right. Not, uh, I not mean, many. <laughs> And they'll get, they'll get some you, playing time. Um, you know, I'm really intrigued with it. Yeah, they'll get playing time. And I, and I, I really want to see what the, the kid Donovan Peoples-Jones uh, amounts to. It was, uh, I think it was a really good value pick there. And um, I know he went to that school up north, and a, a lot of Buckeyes don't care for people that come from Michigan. But, uh, you know, once they put on the orange helmet, they're all good with me. And I'm curious to see if he can uh, live up to that talent and that five-star rating he had coming out of high school. Yeah, I don't. I don't care where they went to school once they get to Cleveland. It really doesn't matter to me. But I, I'm with you. the The thing is, I think with the system and with the limited number of targets for wide receivers beyond the, the beyond, you know, our, our top two guys, um, I don't know if they're going to be able to make a decision on him in one season. No, <laughs> you know, I, I think you almost have to figure he is. He needs to be here for a couple couple seasons unless he really you know just just doesn't show up doesn't work you know uh, drops everything's thrown his way and they just say ah you know this was a mistake right and you know that they you know they put you know low investment into him i mean sixth round pick i mean you know uh for a guy with you know five-star talent out of high school i mean to me it's it's worth a flyer and uh you know uh, being a being a buckeye fan (laughs) that guy was the only guy i feared on that whole roster for the last four years Rightly so. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he was the only guy that scared me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Uh, there's a good chance he may end up, uh, you know, he may end up doing some punt returns or something like that. So he could definitely add some value to the team this, this year, even if he doesn't get a lot of targets. Right. Right. We'll see. So let's uh, let's move on to the other quote by Alex Van Pelt talking about OBJ. He said he has been a model guy. So how do you take that? I say hallelujah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, since the championship, he's been out of the news. Right. That's right. Yeah. And and, and the less OBJs in the news, the happier I am as a Browns fan. That's right. You know, if 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 COVID uh, has any silver lining, it's the fact that all these events have been canceled and. And uh, OBJ can maybe focus more on that offseason program and not which fashion show he's going to next. Yeah. Yeah, I really just want to see, you know, what what he can do at full strength. You know, um, he and Jarvis in this offense, uh, you know, with with uh, with the two backs and and, and the two two tight ends. Um, you know, I, I think. I know the Browns will be running the ball a lot, but I really think these guys could really have have a chance to, you know, to to make some great plays. 
Oh, I, I, I think, you know, what Freddie, I think the one of the curses of Freddie Kitchens last year is he went away from the play action. You know, when we went on yeah. that great, when we went on that great run, you know, the season before he took the full-time job, you know, we were running a lot of play action. And, and when you freeze those linebackers and you freeze those safeties, you allow an OBJ to get a step on that corner. And uh, if he's 100%, um, I, I really expect OBJ uh, to be back to OBJ form this year. That would be a lot of fun to watch. I mean, I think you have to give him a lot of credit for playing through the injury last season. And, you know, I think people were disappointed. He, he didn't score, you know, he didn't score the touchdowns you would expect, but he still put up a thousand yards. Uh, he played all season long hurt. Um, you know, uh, he, I know he was a distraction. I know he did a lot of stuff that came off as, as hurting the team or, or just pointing at him. So let's hope that some of that ends and he just plays football this year. Um, you know, that might be a pipe dream. Um, but it, you know, if he's at full strength and focused on playing football, you know, we, we could be in for, we could be in for a lot of fun this season. Oh, I agree a hundred percent. And, you know, none of us really outside of the facility at Berea knew the extent of OBJ's core injury, you know, oh, um, no. you know, it, it, and it makes a huge difference. Um, so I, I lightened my stance on OBJ season when I heard that. And um, I'm with yeah. you. Uh, if he's 100% for 16 games in, in this offense that runs play action, um, you're going to see a lot of big plays out of OBJ. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, Jarvis had a great season last year. Oh, he's so. he's just the, he, he is consistency. Yeah. You know, the guy the guy's going to catch 90 balls. You know, and he's going to be around a thousand yards. I mean, he's not flashy. You know, I think his career average is maybe a little bit over ten per reception in yards. But mm-hmm. you know, when, when you need to move the sticks, uh, I want nobody else but Jarvis. Yeah, and he absolutely showed up in some, you know, big and some some key games last year. Um, so, so yeah, um, it, if OBJ can can play like we're talking and kind of went over the crowd. I mean, it, it, this is going to be a very likable offense, I think, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I agree. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, like I said, that, that, that play action is going to be key. And I think the play action is yeah. going to help Baker. You know, it, it's, it's really going to help Baker, which is to me even more important. OBJ is going to be OBJ. He's going to make fantastic plays. Uh, but getting that confidence back to Baker, to old Baker, um, I think is going to happen in this offense. Guys, now's the time to check out Skippin' Stones for Father's Day gifts. Go to Etsy.com and go to the store Skippin' Stones, S-K-I-P-P-I-N-S-T-O-N-E-Z. All men's lava bracelets and sports plaques are 25% off through Father's Day, and there's, of course, always the items for women. Go ahead and check those out, and now back to the action. You know, something you didn't bring up is the... uh, is the fullback okay now you mentioned two running backs and hunt and chubb right um how often how often do you think we'll see three running backs out there well okay uh lucky for you i've got my little uh my little (laughs) stat thing here i thought you know and i'm looking (laughs) i'm looking at when they went jumbo um and it's less than one percent so um, I don't think you're going to see three very often. 
Um, I, I think in those bigger packages where, where you, you know, you bring in the extra linemen and, and the fullback, technically, yes, that's two running backs, but that's your jumbo package and, and short yardage. So um, I, I think you'll see the fullback um, third and shorts. You know, I don't know if he can catch the football. I don't, I, I'll be honest. I don't, I don't know much about uh, him personally and, you know, how he is receiving out of the backfield, but uh, you know, you're a fullback, your job's a smack a middle linebacker. So uh, if he can do that, which the Browns seriously lacked last year, uh, then I'm all for it. I have a feeling they're gonna that they're gonna go with that set a little more often, just because of the talent of the three guys. Um, so I'm not gonna say they're gonna run it 25% of the time or anything like that, but I could see them coming out, you know, with with three running backs and really just running the ball down the field against some against some defenses well i I mean i'll just historically with football um there's nothing more demoralizing to a team than when you're running the football on them and they can't stop it when they know it's coming um and and that's a fun thing to watch i mean uh, you know going back to my 80s days with mac and biner uh there were days it wasn't bernie carrying that team Mm -hmm. you know mac and biner had a thousand yards a piece one season i can't remember if it was 85 or 86 um but uh i'd love to see that out of chubb and hunt i i think you're gonna see it i i you know i I think it'll be situational definitely but i could see him coming out with with those three guys in the backfield and just keeping them in there and just and just almost doing a hurry up (laughs) and just going okay two runs for chubb one for hunt and just pounding the ball down the field against against the you know if they get the right defense out there so right yeah um, because i mean you know dalvin cook was hurt a lot last year from minnesota i mean the madison kid did a did a pretty good job and you know with with no live sports right now i'm going to probably take my uh, uh valuable spare time and and re-watch some vikings games and and try to get a feel of how stefanski calls plays because <laughs> um, we, you know, we, we really don't know. And, uh, since no other live sports are going on, uh, why not watch it? Yeah. I just saw part of one, um, last week sometime <laughs> <laughs> they're on there. There's games on TV all the time now. So yeah, right. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. It's just not quite as fun when you already know the ending. Well, some of these games, uh, you know, I'm not talking the Minnesota game, but some of these games are so long ago, I don't remember the end, the, who won or lost. So. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> That's a bonus. <laughs> Play, they're playoff games, and I couldn't tell you who won or lost until it gets to the end. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe, like, if the, maybe if the Browns were in the playoffs more often, we might remember. But it, Yeah, we might. Know. But, yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know who won this game. Yeah. I, tur- I, I turn off football after the Brown season's over till the Super Bowl pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I kind of pay attention depending on what I'm doing in fantasy and whether it counts for fantasy or not. But yeah, yeah, about the same. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Hugh Jackson, it, this has been out there. He said he wanted Colin Kaepernick in 2017. Um, you know, I don't know how prevalent this is across the league that, that a coach or somebody said they wanted him on the team. Um this is a huge story right now. Um, not the Hugh Jackson part, just the Colin Kaepernick and, you know, people, there's people now that want, you know, want him to, to have a job in the league. And how long has it been since he's played? 
Um, uh, 2016 was his last season. 16. So, so yeah. It's been a minute. So, yeah, it's been a while. So, um, you know, I'm not going to say anything bad about him, but, um, you know, it, it's been a long time. So just to for him to just be handed a job, and I, yeah. I know this this is such a complex issue, but what do you, what are your thoughts on Hugh Jackson coming out now and saying that he wanted him in 2017? And do you think that the coach saying in 17 that he wanted him, do you think that really carried any weight since he wasn't the guy, you know, he wasn't the GM of the team? Uh, no, and not at all. And, and as a matter of fact, um, you know, I, I was digging uh, – into some quotes from March of 2017, and, and this is Hugh Jackson, okay? Quote, we haven't really discussed Colin. There's other players at this point that we've had a lot of conversations about to see if we can put them on our team. <laughs> Not saying it won't come up later. You have to exhaust everything. But at this point, he hasn't come up. So that, that to me is, uh, is classic Hugh Jackson self-promoting, you know, taking advantage of yeah. a situation. I don't buy it at all. Um, I, I, I just, I'm not, I'm not Hugh Jackson guy. Um, uh, I'm not anymore either. I was when he, when he came to Cleveland, but not anymore. He's, he's done enough things like this to, to just, you know, try to throw other people under the bus and, you know, make everybody else look bad. Right. He talked out of both sides of his mouth, uh, way too much for me to buy into this. And, uh, you know, when you got a direct quote addressing the subject, at the time when it mattered, right, 2017, um, I'm not buying it. Um, I'm yeah. just surprised we didn't hear him say that he'll have to watch the tape on Colin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that would have been uh, that would have been no surprise whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, yeah, it was. Uh, the, I, I would just assume forget about Hugh and the one in 31. I mean, that would that was that was just absolutely brutal. Um, it was worse than Freddie. I mean, Freddie was bad. Don't get me wrong. It was, a uh, it was a pretty rough ride, but you know, like you said, I was excited about Hugh. I mean, he was, a you know, a top notch OC and, um, had a pretty prolific offense. Um, but man, it just, uh, uh, the wheels just came off, uh, in Cleveland and, you know, we're still recovering from it. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, OBJ and Jarvis have, uh, Kind of stepped out as leaders uh, recently, making a video, you know, about, um, you know, about the uh, um, about the 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 uh, issues that are out right now. So, um, kind of wanted to get your thoughts, uh, really, mostly on their uh, on your opinion, uh, you know, of them as leaders, and you know, and what this does for the team. Well, uh, you know, I think we've always seen it from Jarvis, you know, um, we saw it on hard knocks. Um, that's what yeah. leaders do. Leader leaders yeah. get out in front of issues. Uh, leaders, uh, will get out and address problems and issues and talk about, you know, the tough things out there. And Jarvis has always done that, you know, OBJ, you know, it, it kind of surprised me, but believe me, I'm glad he is doing it. I mean, you know, a guy of his caliber and, and his stardom, um, he, he needs to get out there and lead. Um, and, and I'm all for it. And I'm all for the videos and I'm all for what they're saying. And um, like I said, I think uh, the blessing of COVID is that I think OBJ is really focusing on football and, you know, he's, he's, he's focused on, 
being a better player this year, being a better leader this year, and uh, uh, set an example uh, for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, you know, I I think I talked uh, with whoever, you know, maybe it probably came up more than once, but way back when the Browns were on hard knocks, I talked uh, on the podcast about Jarvis and him being a leader and kind of how it was a little ironic that that a wide receiver was stepping into that to a leadership role because you know wide receivers have have the uh, reputation as kind of being the divas all about me right you know, that that's what everybody thinks of with with these top wide receivers you know and that's how people would see somebody who you know, you know, somebody like a Jarvis or OBJ, if if they didn't know them especially, they would just say, oh, they're a top wide receiver. That's, that's probably how they are. So, you know, it, it kind of surprised me when Jarvis did it. So I wasn't sure at the time if, if he was doing this kind of out of necessity because of, because nobody else on the Browns was stepping up to be a leader or if this was just strictly in his nature. And I have to assume at this point it's, it's just in his nature that he's not your, your typical diva wide receiver. You know, I, I think we've seen this, so we know this with Jarvis. But um, so to see OBJ join him in this, you know, is he just is he joining his friend? Is he this focused on the issue? You know, do the Browns... Um, do the Browns lack leadership in other places where they should have it? You know, what's your thought on just the the leadership from players on the Browns? Well, you know, I, I agree with you. You know, traditionally, your you know your leadership. I mean, if you want to, you know, pigeonhole on defense, you know, your middle linebacker on offense, your quarterback. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. typically those are your positions that that are your leaders. But that's not to say you can't be um, a leader of a team. And I think. When you when you have that leadership quality uh, that Jarvis has, and you see a void of leadership or a lack of leadership or or not enough in his opinion, uh, mm-hmm. those people will step up, and they leaders bring people with them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, th- that's why they're leaders. And and if and if and if OBJ's uh, coming around to this is I don't care if it's because it's his friend or whatever, or he's just attracted to leaders like people are. Um, you know, I'm all for it, uh, and I agree with you. I think it's in Jarvis's uh, just his core as a person uh, yeah. to not to not be silent and and to step up and, and lead uh, where he sees that leadership may be lacking. You know, none of us are in that Browns locker room. You know, we right. we speculate and we try to figure out who, what guys like what, and 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 we're all armchair quarterbacks to some degree. Um, but you know, you you eventually see the true character of people over time. And I think that's just what you're seeing with Jarvis and he's bringing, he's bringing the rest with him, and, uh, and, and I'm all for it. So who's the Browns leader on defense? Do you think miles is the leader on defense? You know, you know, from a strict, strictly talent perspective, you would think he would be by default. Um, but again, we don't know what kind of vocal leader is it. You know, he is. You know, it's kind of like Joe Thomas. Joe Thomas was not, you know, your loud guy. He was the most talented guy 
you know, yeah. on the Browns roster. But he wasn't, you know, leadership, rah, rah guy or whoever. Uh, that just might not be uh, in Miles's, um, you know, in, in his nature. Um, right. Does it mean he can't be the leader? Uh, of course not. You know, uh, of course he can. I mean, he certainly has a talent to be. I mean, the guy is, uh, I still believe the guy is a generational talent. If he can mm-hmm. stay on sides and not drive me crazy on Sundays. Um, <laughs> but, you know, talent-wise, um, he, he truly is a, an amazing talent. So, uh, But if I had to say who was the leader, man, on defense, that's tough. Because, I mean, you lost Kirko, you know. I mean, he's gone now, mm-hmm. you know, all, all the injury concerns. And I, and I, I really saw... Demarius Randall as a leader, maybe not always in a positive way, uh, but, yeah. but but he was some fire um, uh, on that defense. Like I love that guy for handing you the the football. I mean that that's just beautiful. I, I watch that over and over again. Oh yeah, you know. But but Perfect. right now, yeah, right now on this team, <laughs> um, man, um, I, I'd have to go with Miles. Uh, I, I just think. Um, if he isn't, then then we desperately need him to step up and be because those linebackers are just too young. And, you know, Mac Wilson, I think, could develop into a leader. Um, I, He's I think- who I was thinking of. But, yeah, I think you're right. I think he he needs time. I mean, yeah. a guy in his second year shouldn't be right focusing on being a team leader. He needs to focus on on his game at this point. Right. You know, that, that, that Browns defense, I mean, it's got some veterans on that defensive line, but we're pretty young everywhere else. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think that's the, the biggest question mark with this team is going to be the defense and, you know, how these uh, young linebackers play. So uh, leadership wise, uh, um, we, I, I'm just hoping that Miles Garrett does step up and and be that voice uh, to go along with his talent. Yeah, I, th- I think he I think he I think he leads. It's just, yeah, like you said, it's probably more in a Joe Thomas kind of way. Um, it, but again, like you said, we're not we're not in the locker room, so we don't know how much he says. But guys like that, you want them to lead with just their the routine, the way they play, and, and just um, you know the way they the way they they listen and execute what the coaches say and everything else. Um, you know, they can be a leader that way and and have and have other guys follow them. So um, hopefully Miles does that. And, I, and obviously he's setting a great example with the stuff he's doing in the community too. So um, we'll see. We'll see how much more he has in him um, as far as a team leader. Right. So uh, Kevin Stefanski had a Zoom call today, and the, the essence was that he has his players' backs uh, really, regardless of uh, of of what they decide to do um, on the current social social issues, um, what I really like is that he he talks a lot about communication. He he want, he he talks about communicating with his players, and he brought it up multiple times in this call. Um, that 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 he will talk with his players, uh, you know, as long and, and as often as he needs to, you know, so that they're on the same page. Um, he, he's uh, getting together. I think he called it an executive council of players. Um, I think this is just his idea. I don't even think he's done anything to 
to uh, to get it going yet, but he wants to get uh, a council of players together, um, I guess, probably to communicate with, with him and probably management. Um, but he's very much into listening to his players and what they want and, and the senses that um, whatever they decide to do, uh, you know, uh, as a protest or whatever they feel is right, that he, he's going to go along with it. And I think, you know, if they decide to kneel, he's he's probably going to kneel with them. Um, you know, if they decide to do something else, he's going to he's he's going to stand with them no matter what. So um, I think it shows a lot of a lot of strength from a coach to, you know, to to be in charge and to have the the confidence to say that I'm going to I'm going to listen to these guys and talk to them but I'm still I'm still the coach I'm still calling the shots. Yeah, I, I you know I agree. Um you know we don't know what kind of coach you know uh Stefanski's going to be but one thing we can get from you know all these press conferences and and the way he's reacted to to the COVID pandemic, uh, you know, to the, to the racial issues we're dealing with today is he's a very grounded individual. You know, Mm -hmm. you, you just get that sense of, of calm about him. Um, even with all, I mean, you're a first time head coach and boom, you can't have people in the building and, you know, um, you know, uh, it's, uh, and he just seems so calm and he, you know, when you're, when you have a personality like that, you absorb a lot. And I think, He's absorbing a lot, and that goes back to what you know his players are saying in communication and and really hearing um, what they want to say, you know, and, and and how they want to do things while maintaining that authority position as a head coach. So um, I like what I see out of Kevin so far. Um, again, it, it's all going to come down to Sundays, um, but man, the guy just seems really grounded. Yeah, it's just the fact that we're not. And, and, you know, and it could be the pandemic, um, just the, just the fact that we're not hearing a lot of issues with the players. Um, right. You know, that's that's about all we can go by that and and what we're hearing out of Stefanski and 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 other coaches. Um, we were we really can't base, you know, base our thoughts on anything else at this point. So. So hopefully the fact that the players aren't having any issues and that everything seems to be positive, hopefully it's all accurate. And, right. And, and hopefully they're getting ready to play football and, and hopefully the Browns are going to, you know, hopefully they're going to be ready to play when, yeah. when the time comes. Right. And, and, I'll, and I'll tell you, I, I think um, you, you're going to see um, the protests um, this year. And, and, and mm-hmm. to be honest with you, rightfully so. Um, I, I think, George Floyd is, uh, you know, I, I think at least for me, uh, um, it, it's really just resonated, um, you know, just what a terrible thing it was and, and that things systematically need to change. And, uh, you know, as a veteran, it's very hard for me to watch kneeling before the flag. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, but I also um, understand that I served for people's rights, you know, to be able to, to exercise their right to protest. And I respect that, and I respect um, uh, what they're kneeling for. So, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. And uh, we're actually going to 
to really get into that on on our next podcast. Um, I've got some guests lined up to talk about it, um, to talk about you know that that issue. But I really just feel like the issue and when things started with Colin Kaepernick, I think things were things seemed so complex uh, to a lot of people, and I don't think everybody understood everything. And a lot of people were, a lot of people got the, the wrong impression. Um, I was probably, I was one of them. Um, you know, I, oh, I, I was, was too. I, I was with you. I, I yep. you know, I, I didn't like uh, the fact that uh, the people were, you know, doing this to the flag. Um, so, you know, so I was against it. And, and uh, you know, um, we, we learn and, and, right. uh, you know, and we learn and we move forward. So um, absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, you, you're not you're not growing if you aren't learning. And um, you know, it's it certainly for me. Um, I, I look at it in a different light. And um, yeah, you know, it, it's definitely different for me now than it was in 2016. That's for sure. Definitely, yeah, a lot different. So, uh, John, I, I like to give everybody a, a chance. Um, you know, to kind of leave everybody with uh, either some words of wisdom or, or uh, you know, kind of some closing remarks. Is there anything, anything you'd like to close with? Well, I just, uh, you know, want to tell everybody, uh, you know, to stay safe out there that, you know, COVID's still real and it's out there. Um, I'm thankful my mom's recovering. Uh, she got COVID um, right after Mother's Day and uh, it is real. It is out there. Uh, stay safe, everybody. Um, go Browns, and uh, I, I think the Browns are going to go nine and seven and be in the playoff hunt. So, thanks for having me, Rod. I really appreciate it. Enjoyed it. Absolutely, we would. I would. I would take nine and seven right now. Anything I, to get into the playoffs that would be remarkable. So, um, thanks a lot, John. Uh, this has been the Browns Blitz, and we will catch you next time.